Uh, what's up, Ann? My name is Nick. I'm uh, just here to do a podcast with my brother, Andy. We're just going to discuss hockey-related uh, topics. Uh, and since the season's ended already, we don't have much to talk about with the regular season. But we can talk about some surprises uh, in both good and bad uh, teams this season. Andy, I don't know if you want to start on that, but you can go ahead if you want. It doesn't matter if you want to start with disappointments or uh, like good shockers, but I'll let you take it away from here. All right, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah, we're just two. Yeah, just to recap what he said, we're just two brothers, and we're gonna give you a podcast. And if you like what you're listening to, all the better. All right, next. So yeah, first off, I've been thinking about this all day, really, uh, and I'm just gonna hit you hard with the my disappointment for the season uh and it could have even been a surprise i almost gave it a surprise but it's really a disappointment it's columbus man um i mean head and shoulders on paper they're the team they're a team that could easily go deep into the playoffs they have gone deep into the playoffs they turned tampa on their head two two years ago in the postseason I mean, and their coach, John Tortorella, I know you're a huge American-born guy, dude, and that's what he is. You know, he's a Massachusetts guy. That's a team that was, I mean, just look at, even before the Line A trade, that's a team that is built to go into the playoffs. They're built to last in the playoffs. And the guy, you know, the guy coaches teams that way because he's won a championship, and he's a – People forget that. He won a championship in 2004 before the lockout with Tampa Bay and Marty St. Louis. And it's a shame to see what happened after the Line A trade. Um, It really is. You go back to the beginning of the season when Carolina was facing them a lot in the beginning, and we struggled with them, man. We, We can't, I mean, I always rag on Vasilevsky between texts with Nick and I about not being able to play a full three periods. For whatever reason, we could not play a full three periods against Columbus because they're just a heavy team and, and we're a heavy team and we're hard to play three, three periods against, and we struggled to play three periods against them. And so at the beginning of the season, I was really worried, man. I was worried it was going to be, and I can actually segue this into my surprise. My surprise for the season was Dallas. Um, I thought they underperformed. Uh, And I I guess I'm partial to two teams in my division because I saw a lot of them. But I go back to the beginning of the season, and I'll go back to my first point with Columbus, is that – you know, when we after facing them a good amount in the beginning of the season, I was worried we were going to have to go up against Tampa Bay. I was worried about what Florida was capable of. I was we're looking at Dallas, who's the Western, who's the current Western Conference champions uh, at the beginning of the season, and we're struggling with Columbus too. And it's a it's a big deal who you're playing in your division because. Those are the only teams you're facing, and those are the only teams you have points to make or you have chances to make points up against. Mm-hmm. And so I really thought at the beginning of the season Columbus was going to be something. Uh, they're just head and shoulders, again, a team that can go long in the playoffs. And all I, th- I think Tortorella needed one more chance with that team, and, and I thought he was going to get it this season. So they're my biggest disappointment. 
And yeah, Dallas, biggest surprise, man. I mean, they're they're the Western Conference champs, uh, and they 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 kind of quietly got there last year. You you go back to the last they- season. And we get to the, the finals and we're like, Tampa Bay and who? Dallas made it out of the West last yeah. year. You know, like I was really expecting something from them this year and they really fell flat, dude. I mean, they were relying on us to beat Nashville two games in a row at the end of the season. A team that we're about to go up against at maybe seven more times right after that. Yeah. Why are we going to give our hardest in those two games, you know? So they're they're really holding on. They could have punched their own ticket, and I thought they were going to. So, yeah, my biggest surprise for the season. And I'll dish that off to you, man. Yeah. To, to piggyback off your picks real quick, I have Columbus on there too, um, but they weren't my biggest disappointment. Um, they easily could have been, but given the, the roster, how it is now, uh, you know, I mean, just look at what they've lost. I think since 2019, they lost Duchesne, they lost Panarin, they've lost Bobrovsky, yeah. they've lost Savard, who was a very reliable defenseman for them. They lost him this year, uh, the trade deadline. They've lost a lot of their key uh, players, and I think that that's hindered them a lot this season. I mean, when you lose a lot of your players, you have to bring up some no-names like or I think his name is Foodie, Adam Foodie, and other guys like Stanwin. You know, just these kind of brisk, these kind of AHL players that that can't fill a spot like Panarin or Duchesne. It 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 stopped. It it, it really, I agree. It really hindered uh, Columbus. And I, I think that you know, with that being said, Torrell didn't have much to work with. Um, you know, you look back at the trade with Line. They had Rosalvik and they added Line, and Rosalvik ended up being the better player. I don't know if that was <laughs> Tortorella and how he used um, Line. I know a lot of people criticized Tortorella for trying to make Line a more two-way player, but could you mm-hmm. blame him? I think size-wise, Line is roughly around Ovechkin. I think he's a little shorter, and obviously he probably weighs less, but. You know, could you imagine a power forward like Line if not only he could score goals, but he could hit, he could throw the body, he could play physical, he could block shots. It'd be a player to watch for sure. Um, and then with Dallas, I, I think that they were a surprise. I think starting the season off getting a COVID outbreak, and then I think yep. they were out for about two weeks, definitely hindered them. And then, of course, you had their injuries. I think Ben Bishop didn't even play a game this season, and Tyler Sagan Again, he he hardly played any games. Yeah, um, it, it certainly you know hindered them. Um, my biggest disappointment was actually St. Louis. Uh, this was a mm. team in 2019 who won the Stanley Cup, beat the Boston Bruins. Um, they did deal with a lot of injuries, so I'll just start right off there. Um, I'm not necessarily uh, criticizing the team. It's just I thought that they could do better. Um, just as a team, even though that they were down a lot of players, Tarasenko hasn't been himself since man, 2015, 2016. It's been a while since that guy's been able to stay healthy and get yeah. back to his 30-goal pace and 30-goal scoring ability. Um, they lost Petrangelo in the offseason to the Vegas Golden Knights. But I want to hone in real quickly on, on Bennington. I think that he's probably been uh, 
the the disappointment factor for this team. I know again through the injuries, I get that they've lost a lot of their um, key players, but you know when your key players are out, you need to look to somebody to step up. And I thought that Biddington was going to prove it to us this year. You know, we gave him the benefit of the doubt in the playoffs in 2019. He set the uh, new all-time uh, rookie um, wins record. And I just thought that, you know, last season it was, I wouldn't say it was a fluke. You know, he was put in a starting role from a previous season where he had kind of gotten into the middle. I think he started January of 2019. And, and from that point on, he was their starter. So his first full season as a starter was last season. And I think that a lot of people could agree that it was, you know, a bit underwhelming. So I think this season I was looking more from more of a rebound for him this season. And I, I just didn't see it. Uh, I, I was definitely disappointed in St. Louis. I mean, <laughs> the, the biggest disappointment to me about that team was Bennington. And then also they're, they're trying to beat out Arizona and they were struggling to, <laughs> and, you know, nothing against Arizona, but I think, you know, you put St. Louis and you put Arizona in that and you tell them, hey, they're going to be playing each other for the fourth spot in the uh, West. You got to be thinking to yourself, like nine times out of 10, St. Louis is going to get that spot. They're going to get the takes spot. it, walks away with it, right? Yeah. You, you would think that they would, it wouldn't even be a question that they're even racing Arizona. But here they were. And, you know, they played Arizona a couple of times and you were like, is this team going to make it are, are either of these teams going to make it, you know? And I think that uh, it even opened the door for the LA Kings to get a fourth uh, seated spot in that division. So I think St. Louis has probably been my biggest disappointment this season. It, although I do agree with Columbus, you know, that, that was definitely a, a team that really did disappoint. Um, you know, looking at that central division, I think a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, Detroit's going to be last place. That's an easy, you know, pick for them to be last. And Columbus really uh, gave Detroit a run for their money. Really, really figured out a way to fall apart. And that, that I was just about to say, I have, like, just to offer a little variety, I came up with a surprise in Detroit. Detroit beating Columbus out and leaving them in the dust in last place in the division. I mean, that was that like gave me a little bit of joy for the little guy this season. Yeah. And I, I tell I, you what, dude, I had another big disappointment, and it's not for how their record turned out, but it's for how the franchise is. And I hate to say it, man, but it's Buffalo. No. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm sure as a fan, and I'll get it out of the way here. I'm a Hurricanes fan, and I'll. But we try to. But part of this podcast is we want to try and give a holistic view of the entire NHL. So we'll give you our takes on whoever you want. But I'll get it out of the way. I'm a Canes guy, and I've already alluded to it, Nick. But I'll let you tell. <laughs> yeah. So sadly, you know, I I'm a Buffalo Sabres fan, and I I. It's funny you mentioned Buffalo because I got my disappointments and my surprises in front of me. And guess who made that list? Yeah. Uh, I don't know uh, how we don't put him up there, dude. Yeah, you can't. I mean, they lose Jack Eichel early in the season. I don't know if you heard the rumor. It's not even a rumor anymore. Jack Eichel, they had a um, postseason press conference, for lack of a better term. Um, and players talk like Sam Reinhardt. I even think Rista Linen talked. Both Yikes. indicated that they didn't really want to stay with the team. Uh, Sam Sam Reinhart is a, a restricted free agent 
this season. So you know it's, it's difficult for another team to sign him. Do you know the free agent? But you know, with offer sheets and all that, we'll we'll see how that goes. But he certainly wasn't, uh, you know, eager to re-sign with the Sabers. Ristolainen, I think, a partial quote or paraphrasing was basically him saying he's he's played 500 games in the NHL. None of them are playoff games, and he wants to start going to a team that you know. That's a fair. That's fair, yeah. man. Yeah, and and as a Sabers fan, you can't even be mad at that. I mean. As a true fan, you shouldn't be. What they said is, why would I want to stay here? This team's going nowhere. You know, I think Ristolainen may have been drafted in 2013, 2014. Samson Reinhardt, I think, was around the same time. You know, these guys have been on this team for a while now, and it's gone nowhere. Um, In the press conference, I think they even mentioned that they're going to rebuild, and, you know, they're going to try it all over again. And everyone's just kind of confused as Sabres fans thinking, um, you know, what's been the last 10 um, years. Oh, ownership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Jack Eichel said, uh, basically, he there seems to just be a disconnect between uh, the organization and him. When he went down with an injury, um, I, I it was a neck injury, but I forget the, uh, the type. I don't think it was a hernia related to his neck. Um, so I can't really clarify exactly, but uh, basically he said when he got the injury, the organization told him not to get surgery, even though he wanted to get surgery. So what he did is he just went to an expert and asked, you know, I'd like to get surgery. And it, it just, it didn't cause a rift, but could you imagine if you're injured, you're, you're the star, you're, forget the star, you're the damn captain of this team. <laughs> and the organization is saying, don't get surgery, you know, rest up. It's not of your best interest, whatever. I mean, that's that as a, as the captain of this team, the, the player that you resemble, you know, franchise player and ownership or, or management or whoever is telling you not to get surgery, that's got to definitely turn you off. And, um, you know, he, yeah, he's as if, as if there's still a season to be saved. Right, right. Th- this was before the... 18 game uh, losing streak that they I was had. Gonna ask, yeah. It was it was before the 18 game losing streak. I think when he went down, you know, it may have started two or three games afterwards, or it may have started the game uh, that he went down in. But I agree, Buffalo has to be on that list. You know, if it, it it wasn't my biggest pick because you look at that roster and you just knew that that team was going to be bad, and then when you say Eichel's out for the rest of the season, in I want to say. March, he was out, maybe even early, late February. You know, when you say that, you, you look at that roster and you go, if they don't have Eichel, they're probably not going to do much. And then Omar, our star goaltender, who had a hell of a season, his record wouldn't show that. But, man, that guy played his heart out in every single game. And, uh, you know, he went down with injury. And I think we had a total of six goalies play for us. Oh man, you're like Vegas that that first season, dude. Yeah, no, I, I the Flyers. I think last season. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's just a lot of teams that like their goaltender depth. I think, and it's it's not a bad position to have a lot of depth. And um, but but my surprise, moving on from the from my disappointment, um, my surprise is Minnesota. Um, I think it has to be Minnesota, at least for me. Um, when you look at their offseason, their moves were uh, to trade out Eric Stahl to the Buffalo Sabres. And in return, they got Marcus Johansson. 
And as a Sabres fan, when I saw that trade, I was like, oh, man, that, you know, that's not a bad trade. I mean, Marcus Johansson clearly struggled in Buffalo. It was a I think he signed a one year deal. So it wasn't like we had to bring much to the table. It was like, OK, you know, he's he's done with the season. He wants out of Buffalo. That's fine. Let's see what we can get with for him. The season he before that, started. he was with Boston in that playoff run. Yeah. Yeah. On a, on a trade deadline. That was another trade deadline, too. Mm-hmm. Move. Yeah, they acquired him the Devils. Devils, then, yeah. I thought. Yep. And him, you know what? I was so funny. <laughs> Real piggyback off that. Um, my friend, who's a, a Boston fan, Ryan, I was telling him that season, after that season, when, they, when the Bruins didn't re-sign Marcus Johansson, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, why didn't they resign with why didn't they resign Johansson? You know, I mean, him and, and Charlie Coyle were like a really good duo together, both in the playoffs and since Johansson was with the team. And you know, he was telling me money issues, they wanted to save money for Yeah, it was a cap thing. You know, that they had some free agents they wanted to sign, so they, they decided to uh part ways with Johansson. Fast forward to now, and Boston Bruins fans, if you bring up Charlie Coyle, you best be, you know ready for some verbal altercations because they've had their gripes with, with their Charlie Coyle this season. But to get back to uh, Minnesota, you know, that trade to me, I was like, I was like, uh, you know, Marcus Hansen can be a winger and he can be a center. The Sabres tried him out as center and he wasn't that great. Um, and then when he was traded to Minnesota, they made him, I think, the second line center. And a lot of Wild fans and a lot of Sabres fans I was seeing all around, you know, social media, a lot of Sabres fans were like, I'm a Sabres fan, you know, be happy to have Marcus Johansson, but he's not a center. He's, you know, he can't play that role well enough. And, uh, you know, it, to me, it wasn't a questionable trade for the Minnesota Wild, but you know, they needed center depth and they got Marcus Johansson for Eric Stahl. You know, not a bad trade-off, especially with the season that no Eric Stahl in Buffalo. Their second addition, Cam Talbot. Uh, Cam Talbot, I think, spent a season or two in Edmonton. It, it just wasn't working out. Then he goes to Calgary. It didn't work out. And he's a free agent. And the Wild needed a, a goaltender. They lost Evan Dubnik and Staylock was projected to be the starter, but I don't think they had enough confidence in him to be the starter. So they decided to get out. They decided to go out and get Talbot. And what a season that guy has had in Minnesota. My goodness. Um, You know, I can, I can speak (laughs) from uh, experience because I played, you know, you and I were in the, the fantasy league together and, you know, one of my friends picked up Cam Talbot. And he'd play him every single game the Wild had. And the guy would put up just ridiculous amounts of numbers. It was like, holy crap, man. I, I can't beat this guy because he's got Talbot. And Talbot's just playing unbelievably. And Talbot's just had a serious bounce back year after a lot of people, I think, counted him out when he went back and forth in, in Alberta. Uh, and and when, they didn't make it, when he didn't make it in Alberta, a lot of people probably, you know, looked him off. Um, but... You know, he, he's really had a great season in Minnesota, and I think that he should be accredited with, with the turnaround that they've had. I mean, they have they were at one point competing with first against the Avalanche in the Knights, and that's pretty damn good company to be in. You know, you look at those rosters, and, and I mean, Minnesota doesn't really compare to a Golden Knights. You know, the Golden Dude, Knights. Forget about the rosters, man. Just look at any Vegas Knights scoreboard. It's like 
Yeah. Is yeah. anyone going to stop this team? Like, do they not? This team doesn't know what it's like to lose, literally. No. Not at all. And <clears throat> it's just unbelievable. You know, Pacioretty, um, Marcia So, Smith, Stone. Marc-Andre Fleury, man, you and I can't speak enough volumes to that guy. I mean, he's been – you and I have said it both. We have so much regards for this guy. He's, you know, he, you, you mentioned earlier, Bennington, Bennington struggling. And the first thing that came to my mind was, is he another Matt Murray? Right. When Matt Murray was in Bennington's right. position. The first thing that came to my mind was, is he another Marc-Andre Fleury? You know, but Fleury is gone. He's no, like, I, he's not even on that plane anymore with me. And, you know, as a Hurricanes fan, I'd love to face them at some point in the fa- in the playoffs. And if we don't win, I'd love to see that guy win another one because that would just be the crowning jewel in his career. He he really he dipped. You know, after that 2009 Stanley Cup, he dipped, and I was saying it before those playoffs were over with. But he was riding on the coat hairs of that team in front of him, and. Yeah. And he dipped, and he came back, man. He came right back, and he's he's shoving my words right down our mouths, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't – don't quote me on this, but I think in Vegas's expansion draft, he was the number one pick. They picked him first. Okay. I could be wrong. I'd have to check that. But I'm pretty – you know, I'm like 50-50 that he was their number one overall pick. And when I said that, I was like, that's a pretty bold number one pick. For, de- for a goaltender who a lot of people criticize, saying, you know, not like a Corey Crawford, where he's got Kane, Taves, you know, and a lot of these big guns in front of him, but just a goaltender who really benefited, like you said, from the people he played, the, the people that played in front of him. And when he went to Vegas, I was like, you know, I don't know if that's the goaltender they should have went after, but of the ones available... I could understand why they did. Now it's like, you know, I have a um, Pittsburgh Penguins fan at work, and uh, he was saying, like, man, I don't know why we didn't protect him in the expansion draft. I don't know why we kept Murray on, why we kept Jari. And I was just like, <laughs> you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, man. You can't look back. Always, at that stuff. always, yeah. You, you can't look back at that stuff. It's only going to make your your mental status even worse because you're always going to think what could be, what could have been. There's always, always going to be that, no matter what. Even. Exactly. I mean, you know, you could say that if if uh, Flurry was bad with with Vegas, you could say, man, thank God we we uh, didn't protect him. But you know, they ended up not protecting him. They decided to stick with Murray. Um, and you know, this was, I think, 2017, the expansion draft. Yeah. And in less than three years, roughly less than three, uh, give it three or four, Murray's already out of Pittsburgh. You know what I'm saying? Marc-Andre Fleury was 32 at the time, too. Right, right. That, that's the other thing, too. I mean, he was such a, you know, older goaltender. Yeah. But again, he was the only one out there available. You know, why wouldn't Vegas take a chance on that guy? Yeah, they got nothing to lose. They didn't have I mean, we talked about hindsight 2020. I, I just Googled it. I looked up that expansion draft because you bring up when he was drafted. I don't know if this if this list is ordered in the way that they were chosen, but if it is, Flurry's pretty far down it actually. Oh, 
but dude, hindsight 2020, I mean, this team is, this team is good. Uh, <laughs> hindsight 2020, this team is good. But I remember that year, I, I was not like insanely impressed. I mean, James Neal sticks out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then this didn't really jar anything. But now Derek Angeland, I mean, they got Eric Halla. I saw him, Colin, Colin Miller. Uh, William Carlson, he's still with them. Alex Tuck. I mean, yeah, Alex Tuck. Yeah, I mean, there's huge ones. There's these some of these guys of Trevor Van Riemsdyke. Some of these guys have really made a, a career for themselves since this time. And yeah, what it is about the water in Vegas, dude. But that uh, it, it really makes me excited too for Seattle coming up. Exactly, because their expansion draft is this season, and you know, I think that. They ha- they might have more of a an advantage um, than Vegas. I think that there might be a little bit more better options out there than Vegas had. Um, yeah, just look at the Canadians. And, and it'll be interesting to see who Seattle ends up picking. I, I haven't really seen any mock drafts of the team yet, just because I've seen certain who's going to be protected and who isn't. But regardless, it it does make me excited for Seattle. Yeah. I don't know if you wanted to get into that on this. We didn't mention that, but. Uh, I'll talk just a little bit more about Minnesota because we kind of went off there. But the one last player, I think, who's been dynamic for um, the Minnesota Wild, and if you're going to talk about the Minnesota Wild in 2021, you have to mention uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Um, I know that a lot of the criticism yeah. of him, you know, being a rookie is the fact that he's, what, 24 years old? And, you know, he's not necessarily a a rookie in the sense that, you know, he's he was drafted at, you know, age 18 and started in the league. And I, I kind of I don't know where you stand on that um, debate. I personally don't really care. I mean, if you're a rookie, if you're new to the league, you know, it doesn't matter your age. Um, if you're 24 years old, if you're 18 or if you're 21, you come. Johnny Hockenpah was a rookie last year. He's 28. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, it, this league isn't necessarily, you know, you got to get those 18 year olds. You got to get those young people. If you look into the older, you know, uh, players out of, out of uh, um, foreign leagues like the KHL or, or anywhere in the goalies, uh, a lot of the time, you know, you don't want to look at it like, oh, they're 24 years old. They're not going to be as fast. They're not going to be as skillful as these young 18 year olds that are coming out of the OHL, you know? And I think that Kirill Kaprizov and, even Artemi Panarin have kind of proven that to be, uh, yeah. to be such. I mean, I, I want to say that Artemi Panarin too was about 24 years old when he came into the league, and look at how good he was in his in his rookie year with with Patrick Kane. He did actually end up winning the uh, Calder Trophy over McDavid, and the reason was uh, McDavid I think got injured that season, so yes, you know, yeah, a full season, and Panarin. I don't know, benefits the right word, but I guess Panarin benefited, for lack of a better term, from Connor McDavid going down because, you know, the guy just scored 100-plus points in a 53-game season. I think it's pretty safe to say if he stayed healthy in his rookie season, he probably would have won a Calder. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Kirill Kaprizov, he was uh, he was toted and, and definitely uh, raved about in Minnesota before he came into the league and you know, I, I didn't really keep an eye on him because I don't watch and I don't really keep up with a lot of the uh, the um, prospects coming out of the KHL. But 
dude has really impressed. And if he doesn't win the Calder, I don't know, I don't know who it could go to. You know, the, the guys just played insane for Minnesota and has been a big reason as to why they're, I think, third in their division in the West. When I, I, I don't think a lot of people even expected uh, Minnesota to be top four in that division. Not necessarily, man. I don't think so. I, I mean, I think you're right. I think, uh, I think they did kind of, they did swoop under the radar and and kind of steal, kind of almost steal one of those playoff spots away from someone. Probably uh, was St. Louis the third in their division. Yeah. 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 So well, there's the trade-off, man. There you go. There's karma and the, the balance in the division. There we go. Yeah. I mean, really, if you, if you really want to look at it objectively, I think, I think, you know, a majority of the divisions were, you know, easy divisions. I don't mean to use the word easy in the sense that Hop a lot of these teams had cakewalks and, you know, they were beating up on the lower teams. You knew that was going to happen, right? Um, you knew it was going to happen. I mean, when you had Vancouver, Calgary, and Ottawa in the Canadian division, and you had, you know, Arizona, LA, the Anaheim Ducks, and the, and the Sharks in one division, and then in the Central division, you had um, Detroit uh, and Nashville. And, and honestly, I, I would say that Detroit, or I'm sorry, not Detroit. I would say that that Central division doesn't really have too many weak teams because I was starting to ramble them off, and I realized well, Detroit isn't that bad. Columbus, we mentioned earlier, was pretty bad. So, you know, but they still did pretty well against, you know, you guys. Top you know, teams, yeah. successful against you guys. And they somewhat would put up a fight against, you know, Florida or against Tampa Bay, but they'd end up losing. Um, but I can't even say Nashville because Nashville made the playoffs and, you know, we didn't have them in the playoffs in our, in our, uh, our preseason predictions. And uh, even Dallas, as, as, as as disappointing as Dallas was this season, um, you know, they, they still, I would say, held their own weight. I mean, they didn't do too, too well, like we mentioned. But, you know, I wouldn't say that they were as you know. And no doubt the COVID, the COVID issues on the beginning of the year right, probably right. really derailed a lot. Not just, you know, not just keeping their feet cold from not playing, but you know, it, it beats up a lot of the logistics and norm normalities of, of life as a player, I'm sure. And that stuff takes its toll on those guys. And it, it makes it hard to put a, te- a season together when you're when you're already on a condensed schedule and right. you're postponing games and not pushing the time frame out on the back end at all. You know, it's it, it, I think it really took its toll on a few teams, and Carolina's one of them. You know, those last two games, they did not look like themselves at all. No. And, uh, and so COVID on the front end of the season does take its toll on a team, as we now know, after this first season like this. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully last, uh, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Dallas had about two weeks off. Um, and it, it gave, I think it was at least two weeks. Yeah, because what was the original start rate for this season? Like January? Oh man, was it was it mid January? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I, I'm pretty yeah. sure that they came back January 22nd. So you know, look back at whenever this season started. Oh, and then, yeah. Um, but I, I think that COVID definitely took its toll on. Uh, the 14th started for us. 
14th. Okay. Yeah. You'll have to look up when Dallas started because maybe it wasn't two weeks then. We had, well, we had a week, about a week and a half after playing Detroit twice and then Nashville and Dallas. Let's see. Dallas had, they didn't start till the 22nd. God. Yeah. Okay. So I knew it was, I guess it wasn't two weeks then. My bad. It was about a week, but then they had another issue. No, they had, that was the problem. They had another issue in February. They had to take another week off. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. They got hit twice. That was what their issue was. Gotcha. Gotcha. And they, yeah, and they could never, they never really bounced. That's even worse than just having a two week delayed start. I would say. No, I would agree because you're starting and stopping and, you know, then you got to start back up again. You lose a lot of momentum you may have gained in, in the beginning of the season. You know, when you tie some wins together, you start getting your confidence up, and then all of a sudden you stop and you have to wait until everyone's healthy again to, to play. Right. Uh, I definitely think it took effect. Even the Buffalo Sabres, I mean, this is not an excuse for them by any sense, but when they got hit by COVID against uh, the Devils, um, you know, Rista Lyon took a long time to recover. Um, I think Taylor Hall, he took some time with COVID. Um, and you look at Taylor Hall and he just wasn't able to rebound in Buffalo after getting it. Um, and I think that that doesn't really explain more about him than it does the team, but it definitely shows you that he maybe couldn't find his game after getting COVID. But, you know, when you get traded to, to other teams outside of Buffalo, don't be surprised when those players start popping off and look at what Hall's doing now in Boston. He's been stellar for them. I was watching their game the other night against the, uh, I think it was the Capitals and he had two goals. One of which was the overtime game winning goal against the Capitals and, or no, I'm sorry. It was the Islanders. My bad. It was the Islanders. Um, They, they beat the Islanders that game and he scored two goals for them. He's been stellar for them. Yes. Good stuff, man. It's fun to go out like this. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't, I kind of just want to bring up this because it's, I've, I've talked about it um, to some of my friends and, All right. you know, that this really isn't going to go. I, I do want to preview the playoffs here, but this doesn't have anything to do with the playoffs. Um, but the San Jose Sharks, you've seen the team since Carlson's with them and they've struggled. They have not been themselves since getting Eric Carlson. Um, I think they're paying him $11.5 million, $10.5 million. I forget the exact number. Um, and they're, they're, they're paying the guy a lot of money. And he just seems like he hasn't fit in San Jose since leaving Ottawa. And I think that people don't seem to understand why getting Eric Carlson as the San Jose Sharks was a huge mistake. And I put it this way because everyone knew when he was in Ottawa, he was their offensive defenseman. Look at any highlights. That guy put up insane numbers with Ottawa. He had career years in Ottawa. And you knew that that guy wasn't necessarily going to be the best defensively. But offensively, the guy could really bring it to, to other teams, especially in this league. I mean, he, he put up insane numbers with, with uh, Ottawa. 
And when he got traded to San Jose, I was kind of thinking, I'm like, I don't think this is going to work out. And the reason why I say that is because when he was traded, or I'm sorry, I don't think he was traded. I think he signed there. When he went to San Jose, I dissected it and I said, why would they go out and get an offensive defenseman like Harold Carlson if they already have a Brent Burns? You know, was is Brent Burns not their number one, you know, offensive defenseman? To, to me, it was just like, why would you get a second offensive defenseman? Now you're basically taking two players out of six and telling them play more offensively or not telling them, but their game is just centered around. Minded. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're offensive minded. They're on the power play units, you know, and, and they definitely produce five on five offensively. So going out and getting him was just kind of a question mark to me because I thought Brent Burns was was their go-to offensive defenseman guy. I mean, he's had a lot of clutch moments with the San Jose Sharks. So getting Eric Carlson, I think, was the biggest mistake that the San Jose Sharks had made. And you look at the team now, and I want to say in Eric Carlson's first season with the San Jose Sharks, he had three goals and like 45 assists. Um, it, it was underwhelming for him. And I think it was because and I don't know, ice time breakdowns, but I'm sure if you look at it, you know, Brent Burns was getting, you know, more, if not the same amount of minutes as Eric Carlson and was just putting up more numbers because that's who he's been for the San Jose Sharks since going to them. And when Eric Carlson went to San Jose, he wasn't able to adjust enough and maybe not fit as well as their, you know, most known or, or number one offensive defenseman option. Um, and, and, and it's hindered the San Jose Sharks. And you, you, you looked at last season and you said, okay, San Jose Sharks, that was just a fluke. You know, the team just needed more chemistry with Eric Carlson. They needed to, you know, build upon that. And this season, it's been as disappointing, I'd say, as last season. I mean, you look at that division. It, it had L.A., it had the Ducks, and it had Arizona. I see. And in St. Louis, you know, and, and those t- you would think San Jose maybe could squeak in fourth, maybe could squeak in third. They certainly probably wouldn't beat uh, the Avalanche or, or the Golden Knights, but maybe they could have gotten to that third or fourth spot, but they weren't. And, you know, maybe we could have put them in a, either a disappointment or a surprise. But, you know, I just wanted to fit that out there and, and or throw it out there and see what you had to say about that. Uh, I would have to agree, dude. Uh, putting – Putting me in the driver's seat there with that comparison of Brett Burns and Eric Carlson, it really kind of put it into perspective. Uh, I really I, I played defense growing up. I know you know that, um, but I'm a very defensive-minded guy. I like my team built that way around the defense, and preferably, I'm someone who doesn't even really want an offensive defenseman. I I would be more comfortable watching my team with six guys who are all centered around the same thing and that's keeping pucks out of the net because somebody in the front is going to figure out a way to put a puck in. And if you can keep them all out, all the better. You can't lose. And so – and that being said, with Dougie Hamilton on our team as our offensive guy – I'm still comfortable in that setting. The, the offense runs through him. Like you say, he, 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 he calls the shots during the power plays. And, you know, he does a lot of good for us on, on the uh, scoreboard, not just uh, keeping stuff off the, the scoreboard, but putting stuff up there. 
Uh, he's been one hell of a guy when it comes to the passing department. And when he finds his stride, he's putting it in on his own. And, and that's a scary thing for other teams to face. And so I really uh, am okay carrying that guy. But you think about it, and I, you know, I think to myself, yeah, what if another guy was ever pitched right now to come in and 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 play that role as well? You know, what if what if we were making calls to Boston about McAvoy, or or what if we're making, you know, what if we're having meetings with, um, you know, Washington about uh, uh, who I can't even think of names right now, but. You know, if, if those conversations come up and they're on our front office that are having them, I don't want that to be happening. I don't want those conversations or that thought to be pitched because I'm plenty good with one. You know, I don't want a second guy and I don't I don't not necessarily. I just don't want another one like that, but I don't want what that might bring into the team, what kind of disruption that might cause on the defense. And to your point, we're really watching a scenario of that unfold in St. Louis or San Jose with the Carlson Burns, you know, saga. It, it, it's right on paper. Those two guys, that team should be lighting the lamp up like Vegas. Like the scoreboard should look like Vegas for them. Right. But yeah, you watch the games and, and I actually did have a chance to watch San Jose in Nashville uh, live. And, you know, they, I think Carlson might've scored one goal in that game and it's fun to watch him score dude it's a guy who loves to score he really does and he's got the looks to do it but it's tough it, it, one goal is not going to win you a game if if you know both if you have two if you have 33 percent of your defense like you say offensive minded some of the time good a good amount of the time they, they're always trying to jump up in the play and that puts a lot of strain on the forwards and i've really taken notice of that this season because it's not just been Hamilton who's been jumping up in the play this season. Slavin will jump up now. Um, you know, Shea jumps up a lot. And so it does strain the offense. And and it's fun to see defense play offense. It's fun to say defense fun to see defensemen put pucks in the back of the net. But it is embarrassing to watch a forward on a two on one or a you know yeah. a, that's what's really embarrassing. It's more embarrassing than it is fun to watch a defensive guy light the lamp is what I would say. So, yeah. And this topic has been talked about a lot. You know, Carlson has really gotten that label of being underrated. Um, but I think there's some, you know, still some credibility to the guy, especially when you bring up the fact that he's competing with Brett Burns for that role. And so maybe, you know, hopefully the guy can get out of there. And he's one guy I'd like to see turn the season around because I really liked watching him in Ottawa. I was I was into hockey when he and Alfredson were running the show in Ottawa. And those days were really fun to watch, you know. And it'd be cool to see him kind of do sort of what Flurry has done and make another name for himself. So, yeah, that's, that's how I would put it. Right. Uh, and, uh, and I would just – just to make one more point and then we can uh, we can talk about the the playoff previews um when you have two offensively minded defensemen i would not necessarily competing with one another to be more offensive but you know you just have two guys on the ice that whenever they're on the ice they're looking more to 
to jump up in the play, like you said, or just be oh, more active right. in the offensive zone. They're being more demonstrative and they're they're right. they're orchestrating a lot. And it's hard for guys to get orchestrated by one guy and then orchestrated by another. It's almost like in in the NFL, it'd be like if the NFL was swapping a quarterback out every other down almost, you know. Right. It, guys would find it hard to to read, you know, who who's Who's getting the puck? Who does this guy go to most? How does he usually – what are his no-looks usually look like? You know, that kind of thing. Plays a lot of role. It plays a, a huge factor in what's going on on the ice. And if everybody around the offense, offensive defenseman is struggling to make those gears changes, the guy who's trying to get all those points is also going to struggle to get those points, man. Yeah, and I would say that it's a strain on the forwards but imagine being the goaltender knowing your forward is on right. two trying to stop it. And, and you look at Martin Jones and people criticize him. He he hardly has a save percentage above 900. Um, it's got to be frustrating for him seeing guys like Burns or Carlson pinch in the offensive zone. They lose the puck battle. And next thing you know, it's an odd man rush. Yeah. You know, Martin Jones probably, you know, is thinking, you know, don't don't pinch all the time. You don't have to, um, because Support it strains them. When when yeah. you have to rely on on stopping a, a an odd man rush, it's difficult as a goaltender. I mean, even cross ice passes. You know, they're I know in video games they're considered like a a guaranteed goal because how the AI works. The goaltenders just can't get over it in time. But even in real life, it's it's definitely difficult on a two on one for a goaltender. <clears throat> to you know take the shooter while the defenseman takes the pass but if the de- if the defenseman can't you know block the pass it makes the goaltender's job even that much harder so for the San Jose Sharks when you have two defensemen who whenever they're on the ice at separate times are going to be pinching more are going to be up more their goaltender has to be thinking to themselves oh man you know th- this play might come back to me and I I might have to you know I might have to just, you know, I, I, you know, they must have, he must, the goaltender must just look at that and go, oh man, you know, odd man rush or, or, you know, they're giving up too many chances because, because Carlson and Burns are, are uh, pinching too much. But, um, you know, aside from that, we can, uh, we can get into the playoff previews here. I have a sheet in front of me. I got uh, all the guaranteed matchups. Of uh, of the team okay. so far, the only matchups that aren't uh, finalized right now is uh, the West, uh, because the Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights are still competing for first place. So we don't have um, a matchup in the West yet. So the Blues and the uh, Minnesota Wild are still waiting to see who they'll play. But uh, I think I'll start off with what I'm going to say is got to be the most anticipated series uh, going into the playoffs. It's, <laughs> it's uh, the battle of Florida. It's the uh, Florida Panthers versus the Tampa Bay lightning. I'll just quickly go through um, the season series with them. Uh, I didn't break down the series season series through the overtime losses and, and stuff like that. It's just their overall record together. Yeah. All right. Florida played eight games against Tampa. They won five out of uh, eight. So they were five and three against Tampa. Tampa was three and five against uh, Florida. Bobrovsky was 19, eight and two with a 906 save percentage. Trigger was 14, six and three with a 927 save percentage. And 
Uh, Spencer Knight, who played four games for them, won all four and had a save percentage of 919. Uh, Vasilevsky on Tampa played a hell of a lot of games. He had 31 wins, 10 wow. losses, and one overtime loss. Um, McElhaney wow. played 12 games. He won four, and he was 4-6-2 and two with uh, 875. Vasilevsky had a, a save percentage of 925. And then Gibson was one and one, uh, one one and zero oh with an eight seventy five save percentage. And um, you know, I, I I mentioned to you the other day when I when I was texting you when this series was finalized. I think when uh, I think when the Predators beat you the first time, it solidified that uh, Tampa and Florida would play each other in the first no, round. No, it was when we won the division. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Because yeah. because they weren't gonna Nashville wasn't gonna be able to catch anybody. Gotcha. Okay. Um, my bad. But when I when we were going over that, I said, uh, you know, look out for Florida here. I, I think that they're a team um that is is poised to to do something against Tampa Bay. And uh I don't know if I mentioned it to you in the text, I'll have to look back, but I know um just looking at these numbers, um if Vasilevsky isn't on his A game. You know, they can't rely with McElhinney and they can't rely on Gibson. Whereas, you know, Florida, if let's say Bob isn't on his game, you got Drieger back there who's got a 927 and Spencer Knight, who I don't expect to play any games in the playoffs, but if need be, he's got a 919. You know, both are in the relative range of Vasilevsky who had a 925. I'd honestly say, you know, this this series might just be alone determined by goaltending um, because Bob and Vasilevsky, um, more so Bob has had his struggles and Vasilevsky as of late has a sh- sh- uh, sh- shown signs of being human. You know, I think a lot of people look at that <laughs> as, a, as a, just a star goaltender. Just when he's on his game, you can't stop that guy. But lately he's kind of come down back to earth and uh, he's shown his human side to him. And uh, And you mentioned it. I believe in that same text chain where uh, you said Vasilevsky's having difficult times playing, you know, full 60 minutes and he's just having a difficult time in his last 10, I'd say. Yeah, definitely, dude. He He's a guy who, like you say, will sometimes feels like most of the time. And I'm sure at one point it felt like all the time the guy would see the puck like it was a beach ball every single day, every single minute of every single game. And he was a huge reason for a lot of Tampa Bay's success and for their Stanley Cup. I mean, to his credit, he's worth every penny. And uh, to your point, though, he is showing signs of returning to Earth. And it's good to see that. But, yeah, you definitely think this one might come down. If you think this one might come down to the goalies, I'm going to say that Florida would take this one. Right. Uh, But I think... This is going to come down to playoff experience, and I think Tampa Bay is going to get the job done in this series. I think it will still be a long series, six games. I could easily see a seven-game series for this. Um, But I do think that Tampa Bay is going to come out on this one because I just don't think Florida has enough guys to to know what what the stage is like. 
And yes, the, we can say that they've been playing playoff hockey all season, and you know this is the this is the season for teams like this to to take a chance at a cup run because they are sort of in that mentality all season. Um, but it's one thing to play three games against one team in a row during the regular season, and it's another thing to play a seven game series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, especially the defending Stanley Cup champions. And I think the Stanley Cup champions will act at least take one round this year. So I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Uh, I just don't think Barkov, or I just don't think um, Huberto and Barkov are going to do it for them. I think they're great guys, and I'm really excited to watch the future at that team. And I gave them props in the beginning of the year, some credit. Uh, where credit was due at, at the beginning of the year. But I think playoff-wise, they're going to struggle. I think they will. Yeah. My uh, my overall pick for that series is Florida and seven. I, I don't see that series ending, you know, in a four or a five game uh, series. That, that, that's that got to go either the full seven or at least six. Um, Florida, to me, I think what they've improved on is their depth. Anthony Duclair has had a hell of a season for them. Carter Verhage, a former Tampa Bay Lightning, has had a hell of a season for him. Um, and uh, Mackenzie Weger on, on the blue line has. Yeah. I, I, don't even, I, I didn't even know who that guy was. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I totally agree, man. Didn't even know who he was. And now it's like, wow, you know, if he can continue to play the way he's playing in the playoffs against this Tampa team. You know, they definitely have a chance against uh, against Tampa. And, and he's I a guy – he's – in dude, to give that guy some more credit, he's a guy who can deal with, with someone like Budis on, on yeah. Tampa. You know, he's he's that guy. He's – dude, he's he's almost like an identical copy of, of him almost, it feels like. They just – they have that look. They have that persona. I mean, you, he, they're guys you hate to see score because – you know, they're like Lucic. They're guys who just get yeah. gritty, hardworking goals, man. They're just like Phil Castle. They're just everyday men who just love the game of hockey and will work in the NHL and they'll they'll get rewarded for it. And, yeah. and you know, playing against them, we did struggle to contain Uyghur a lot. Um, Gudis too, and uh you know, you just like I said, I hate it when those guys score because, you know, it's like Lucic is scoring on you. It's like you know, it's like some middle-aged guy is scoring on you who's just like having a ball out there. You know, yeah. and, and it's it's going to be a physical series. The the last two right. games those guys had, man, they they were really at one another, um, and I can't wait to see that in in the playoffs. Um, Tampa Bay. It's not to say that they don't have depth. Um, it's just that I think a lot of this season, um, th this team was just, since they didn't have Stamkos, since they didn't have Kucherov, um, it just seemed like the two mm. consistent guys were point and plot. Um, I had them on my fantasy teams and, and they were scoring at a, you know, at good rates, but it just seemed to be like, it was just those two guys. It wasn't Anthony Sorelli. It wasn't, it wasn't Yanni Gord. And Yanni Gord, I would Tyler say, Johnson's been nowhere to be found. Yeah, and and it was just and Hedman. I mean, Hedman too. A lot of people are always like Hedman for Norris. Was that guy not invisible this season? I mean, I didn't, I I didn't really watch a lot of the Central games, so you know, I can't really say that. 
Uh, I, I guess I should take back that statement, but it's just to me, I thought that there were a lot more noticeable defensemen like uh, uh, Petrie, Adam Fox, that could definitely put themselves in the running for the Norris. It's just Hedman to me kind of seemed quiet this season as compared to others. Yeah. So, you know, with that being said, I, if he continues that way and if it's just plot and point um, in the playoffs and, and things continue the way they are, I think Florida has a chance uh, though. It was announced today that uh, Florida would have Kucherov and Stamkos for game one. So you got to throw that in there. All right. Too. Yeah. So even more. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll move on to the next series. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add for uh, Florida. No, no, no we can move on. All right. Uh, the next series is Montreal versus Toronto. Um, this is Toronto, the one seed versus Montreal, the fourth. Uh, Montreal in the season series was three and seven against Toronto. Uh, Allen was 11, 12, and five with a 907 save percentage. Carey Price was a 12, seven, and five uh, with a 901 save percentage. And I believe Caden Primo was a 1, 2, and 1 this season with an 849 save percentage. Uh, Toronto was 7 and 3 against Montreal this season in the season series. Anderson was 13, 8, and 3 with an 895 save percentage. Um, Campbell, Josh, or, no, Josh, Jack Campbell, was a 17, <laughs> 2 and 2 this season. Wow. With a, nine, with a 923 save percentage. Wow. I mean, if you want to compare him to Vasilevsky, Obviously, it's a smaller sample size, but Vasilevsky was 31, 10, and 1 with a 925. Campbell, 17, 2, and 2 with a 923. So, dude played out of his mind and, and set a new uh, franchise record for most wins in a row by a um, Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender. I think it was 11 in a row. I think 10 was the previous record, and I think that was held by, uh, oh, what's his name? I don't I want to say Felix Potman, but I'm I'm think I'm wrong on that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't remember. And then the last one, Riddick was a five eight and two with a nine oh one save percentage. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's much to say here. I think if you're a Toronto fan, you should be pretty eager uh, to be facing Montreal in the first round. I, I think that this is the year you can probably slay that dragon of not being able to get out of the first round of the playoffs. Um, I, I think you have a pretty good chance of doing that against Montreal. Price just, I don't know if it's age, I don't know if it's injury, but he just doesn't seem like he's himself. Allen wasn't bad this season for them, but at the same time, he wasn't a, a good replacement for Price while he was out. Um, and, you know, for for Leafs fans, I know a lot of them were frustrated with Anderson at the beginning of the season. Um, and, and looking at his save percentage, you can understand why. I mean, he played uh, just a quick math here. He played 24 games, and he had a, a nine, uh, not a nine. He had an 895 save percentage. He wasn't even above 900. So I can understand why Toronto fans would be upset. So going to the next guy, Campbell, they have to be really happy that he's the the goaltender that they've needed for quite some time now. Um, and and if Campbell can continue on with the success he's had, he's had in the regular season, you know, I don't see why Toronto doesn't maybe squeak out of this series pretty early, you know, in five games at least. Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, logic dictates Toronto should be taking this series pretty handily. 
just the injuries you've mentioned that Montreal has deal with has dealt with this season. Uh, the sheer goaltender uh, stackups. This matchup does look like it will go to, to Toronto. Um, I think Montreal will put on a show. I think they'll take us to Game Six. Um, but yeah, I think Toronto will will close this series out in six games. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to be surprised, though. I mean, it is the playoffs. So, yeah, you know, Montreal will turn on the old familiar playoff switch, and yeah. Uh, yeah. you know what? It, it might even it might even stand to reason that Price might turn on his playoff switch, and Campbell might get stage fright. That could very yeah. well happen. Yeah. And then all Montreal has to do is figure out a way to shut down Austin Matthews, and uh, yep, they could take it. So you know, this one could go either way, as any series in the NHL could go. But yeah, I'll side on on the Toronto going with this one. I'll keep it short as I'm watching the time. But yeah, um, I'll, I'd agree. But like I said, it'd be pretty cool to see a flip or a surprise there. Yeah, um, Austin Matthews had a hell of a season, and I'm pretty sure he's going to end up with a rocket Richard. And fun fact, he's the first American to win it. If my research is is correct, an American has never won that award. Yeah. I'm very proud, as you mentioned earlier in the uh, in the podcast. I'm a big, um, you know, American-born players because I think, you know, here in America we're considered to be a football and a baseball country. Um, but I would I would like to see hockey sort of make a rise. And with a player like Austin Matthews in a Canadian market in Toronto, the biggest Canadian market, um, it's great to see him finding, mm-hmm. uh, you know, success there and, and winning a rocket shard. Um, and I just don't think Montreal offensively can compete with Toronto. But, uh, you know, if Price can turn it on and if they can shut down Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, you, they could definitely give Toronto a run for their money. Um, but, you know, I would say that Toronto should be able to to handle them pretty easily. Which brings me into uh, another familiar matchup in the playoffs, the Caps versus Bruins. In the season series, Caps were 4-4 four four against the Bruins. Vicek Vanacek was 21-10-4 with a 9.08 save percentage. Sam Sonoff was 13-4-1 with a 9.02. And Anderson was 2-1-0 with a 9.15 save percentage. The Bruins were 4-4 against the Caps in the season series. Brask was a 15-5-2 with a 9.13 save percentage. Halak was a 9-6-4 with a 9.05 save percentage. Swayman was 7-3-0. and um, and it looks like I forgot to put down a save percentage. And then Vladar was two, two, and one with an eight eighty-six save percentage. This series, man, it's it's tough to assess this one. The Caps have not looked good um, heading into the playoffs. Uh, it kind of seems like they've either thrown in the towel or once they clinched, they kind of just dialed it back. And then with the Bruins, it's not like they're playing bad heading into this series, but as any Bruins fan knows, they they don't necessarily play well against the Caps in in uh, the playoffs, so they might be a little uh, hesitant to say that the Bruins are going to do well in this series. But uh, it, it'll be an interesting one, I think. Um, not as interesting as maybe the other two with Florida and Tampa and Montreal and Toronto, just because the rivalry is there. Um, but 
you know, watching the Caps and Bruins in the playoffs, it's a familiar sight and it's always fun to watch. Yep. Um, I would say if, if I had to guess Caps and seven, but it really just depends on how those goaltenders do on, on the Capitals side. Um, but it'll, it'll be interesting, I guess, to see Char against his former team. Right. We have that to look forward to most definitely. Um, I agree, dude. This one's really tough to call. It's really tough to feel. Um, to your point, Washington has struggled uh, as the playoffs have approached. Boston was struggling early on in the season. They ended up finishing the season like they always sort of do uh, with a playoff spot, right? Nothing too exciting to talk about. Pasternak is always fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't necessarily know if Boston is gonna get it done either. Uh, especially if it comes down to goaltending. If it comes down to goaltending, Rask is always shaky. He's always been a shaky player in Boston. And uh, I do live in the Boston area and work in the Boston area. And, you know, he does take a, a certain amount of flack uh, from the fan base here for those reasons, for whatever it is, if it's personal reasons or whatever, you have to respect that. But you can't put aside the fact that regardless of of the me- the means uh, the fact remains that he doesn't always show up to the table when when the call is made and right. um and Halak is not a guy that can take you from start to finish i don't think in a playoff run especially after having a lot of the weight during the regular season um, he's a guy who you want to split. He plays be- he plays best when he's splitting basically 50-50. Um, and so I think Washington will come out with this one. Another thing I like about Washington is they always seem to play with that sense of urgency. Uh, and as of late, they've been playing with it in round one. And so if they bring that to the table in the first round, I think they're going to be kind of hard for Boston to handle especially when Boston feels a little lackluster than they have in the past. Um, They have lost a lot uh, in Chara as much flack as we give them. He was a pretty strong foundation for their defense for all these years. Right. Um, And they haven't, you know, they're just not the same team as they were anymore. Um, Marshawn and Bergeron are always going to be Marshawn and Bergeron, but they're getting up there in age. And, uh, you know, who's, you know, who's been a disappointment this year is Charlie Coyle, man. I mean, he's been disappointing and, you know, you name those three guys and, and Pashanak, if Pashanak goes into a slump, which he's been known to do, he's not a guy who can give you consistent numbers all the time. He can sometimes fall into it. Um, and so when you rely on that kind of stuff and those, those pistons aren't always firing, you know, where's their depth? Who's their depth? I mean, they, you want to talk about teams who you don't really know the names of as of recently. <laughs> There's some guys on Boston who are scoring who I'm like, who, who's that? <laughs> Where'd they no, come I, from? And I got to look them up, you know? And right. not that there's anything wrong with that. There's, there's a certain value in unknown talent, I'm sure, but can that, you know, is that talent going to drag them through the playoffs? Because that's what they are. They're a team 
that when they win, when they go deep in the playoffs, it almost seems like they're getting dragged to the end. And yeah. they always come up on top when they play like that. So right. we'll see. But I, I, I agree. I, I'm going to go with, with Washington. And I think Washington might close it up in five or six this year. Okay. All right. Yeah, I could see that. You have to throw Tom Wilson in there as well. Um, no doubt. To me, it seems like the Washington Capitals forwards haven't had the best season. Ovechkin's kind of dipped down. He missed some time too, so you know he didn't really play a full season. But he, his numbers seem to have dipped down. Um, they got rid of uh, Verana and they got rid of uh, Ponick, who you know had pretty decent seasons with the Washington Capitals. I was surprised that they gave up that much for Anthony Mantha, but. Anthony Mantha so far has been good for them. So overall, the Caps, it, it was hard to assess that team because uh, it, it seems like now there's a rift with the organization and uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, it sounds like they want to part ways with him. Um, so it's just kind of tough to assess that team. But, you know, Wilson, being Wilson in the playoffs, he's he's going to be that pesky player. No doubt. You know, we, we got to gotta keep an eye on him. Uh, moving on to the to the next series, we have Winnipeg and uh, against Edmonton. Winnipeg was two and seven against uh, Edmonton in the season series. Hellebuck was a twenty three seventeen and three with a nine fifteen save percentage. Bersois was six six and zero with a nine eighteen. Uh, on this on the Edmonton side, Smith was twenty one six and two with a nine twenty three, and Koskinen was thirteen twelve and zero with an eight ninety nine save percentage. Winnipeg. Um, Wow, they have fallen, and they have fallen yeah. hard. They um, they were at one point competing for first place with Toronto, and then it felt like once people mentioned, you know, Winnipeg could win first, they just took a nosedive straight down, and it was at a point where um, Montreal could have passed Winnipeg, and uh, you know, they they've lost I think nine of their last eleven in regulation. They have not gotten any points where they've needed to this team is it's not looking good heading into this this series (laughs) i think that edmonton can probably uh they they can probably handle the the winnipeg jets pretty easily um i would i would guess edmonton in six just because i think hellebuck can steal a couple of games he's probably a goaltender that you know it, it has the ability to just stand on his head even if his team is playing like Sure. Don't crap in front of them. That's a goaltender who who will give you a hundred percent no matter what. Um, so Most think, goalies are. Most goalies yeah. are. And and I think that he can probably steal a couple of games for the for the Winnipeg Jets. But overall, I think Edmonton is going to sweep through here. I agree, man. I think uh, you just look at what Drysaitel and and uh, McDavid, you know, continue to do. And um, it takes a certain team to build to beat a team that's built like that in the playoffs that is that top heavy. I mean, holy cow! Like, if you could build a team out of two guys, Edmonton did it, and somehow it works in the regular season. And let's hope it works in the playoffs because it'd be nice to see if any Canadian team won. It'd be nice for for McDavid and and. Try Seidel to do it with Edmonton, I think. So, no, I think I think uh, you're right on the head. I'm I'm gonna say Edmonton maybe in five. Um, 
I almost want to say I'll say Edmonton. I think they're just going to sweep. I'll, I'll say Edmonton's going to sweep them. I don't think uh, Winnipeg is a team that can put a defense together that can shut those two guys down the way it needs to in a seven-game series. So I'm going to go with Edmonton in four games on that series. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think Edmonton can handle Winnipeg. Edmonton, uh, McDavid and, and Drysidle, man, those guys are having hell of a seasons. And, you know, heading into the playoffs, I, I think that Edmonton will just stomp the Winnipeg Jets. But you never know. Um, New York Islanders and Pittsburgh is next. It is the second to last series of the uh, guaranteed ones. And the Islanders were two and six against Pittsburgh. Simeon Verlamov was 19-11-4 with a 9.29 save percentage. Uh, Sorokin was 13-6-3 with a 9.18 save percentage. Uh, Tristan Jari was 25-9-3 with a 9.09 save percentage. Casey DeSmith, 11-10. Sorry. Do I have that right? It's, I, I think I wrote down 11, 1, and 0. I don't know if that's correct. With a 9, 12. And then Legace, 1, 0, and 0 with a uh, 100 save percentage. So he had a shutout in his only game that he played. Surprisingly, I'm going to go with the Islanders in this series. Um, I don't know if Malkin is expected to be back for this team in the playoffs. Um, and it's it's always hard to count out the Pittsburgh Penguins when they have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. But, you know, I think in 2019, the Islanders swept the Pittsburgh Penguins, and that was a team that had um, Murray, it had Latang, and it had Crosby and Malkin, and the Islanders were just able to shut them out. Um, and I, I think that the Islanders can play that sort of defensive game against Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh is considered to be a, a team that's pretty offensively potent. And I, I think that the Islanders do pretty well against teams that are offensively potent to shut them out. Um, I would pick Islanders in six, um, but it, it could be seven as well um, because you can never count out Crosby and Malkin uh, when they're hot and they're going. Um, and Varlamov has just had a hell of a season. It's kind of hard to bet against him, to be honest. Uh, I think that he should be in the talks of, of Vesna. Um, certainly, I wouldn't say he should win it, but he should at least be brought up as a, as a, a nominee because he's had a hell of a season. Yeah, that series is going to be a lot of fun to watch. That's a team in New York Islanders that I think is uh, fully capable of beating a, a veteran team like Pittsburgh. But this season, I don't always give Pittsburgh a whole lot of credit, but this season, I think, you know, they struggled this season. I, I don't know if they're going to bring it in the playoffs. If if their regular season was at all indicative of their playoff mentality of the of the the cadence of their game in the playoffs, I don't think uh, they're going to be able to put together a win this season or uh, a win in that series. So I think New York is going to come out on top. I'm going to agree with you again here on this one. Um, I think six games is a pretty fair amount of time for that series to unfold. But that's also one that I wouldn't really be surprised if it was a short and sweet. Um, yeah. the Islanders are a team that can be high flying. And I think 
Pittsburgh isn't the best at handling high-flying offenses right now. Um, certainly not in the playoffs either. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I would say – and I think, you know, New York might get a taste of a couple, you know, of the 2019 playoffs too, and, and they, you know, might uh, feel a little deja vu in that setting, and that, that might give them a little bit of a benefit as well. So right. I think New York could come out of this one pretty pretty confidently, I would say. Six games, five games, something like that. Okay. Yeah, that, that's interesting input. Um, Barry Trotz is a, uh, you know, you want to talk about a, a defensively-minded coach. Him and, and Tortorella come to mind. And uh, when the New York Islanders swept the Pittsburgh Penguins, I remember – uh, I made that bracket that year, and I, I remember specifically that series because um, I, I told a lot of friends, I was like, I think the Islanders are going to beat Pittsburgh in seven games in 2019. And, and a lot of my friends were like, you have to be kidding me. You, there's no way the Islanders can beat Pittsburgh. And bam, they did it. They not only beat them, <laughs> they, not only beat them they handled Pittsburgh, and they swept them. And uh, a lot of friends were shocked when I predicted that series, right? It wasn't the the right amount of games, but just predicting that New York would win that. A lot of people were like, holy crap, how are they able to do that? And, you know, you had Barry Trotz, the former uh, Stanley Cup winning uh, coach in Pittsburgh, or sorry, not Pittsburgh, in Washington, Washington, now coaching the Islanders against, like I said, a a Pittsburgh team that can struggle against those teams that are more defensively sound. Um, yeah, it was no surprise to me that the New York Islanders won, and it would be no surprise to me if they win, you know, uh, in, in this series. Finally, we can go into the last series, and I say this one for last, obviously, because <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> uh. Uh, it is Carolina versus Nashville. Uh, Carolina is 6-2, and two, or they were 6-2 and two in the se- season series against Nashville. Uh, Peter Morazic was a 6-2-3 and three with a 9-23 save percentage. Um, Nedeljkovic was a 15-5-3 and three with a 9-32 save percentage. Reimer was a 15-5-2 and two with a 9-06 save percentage. And before I move on to Nashville, <clears throat> when I was searching these stats, the goaltenders specifically, I did not expect Reimer to have as many wins as Nedeljkovic. Yeah, man, uh... It, it's it's tough. Uh, one of the reasons we're so deep in goaltending uh, is because we have had our health issues with goaltending. Um, it is nice to have those guys with those numbers, uh, but yeah, Marazic was out for maybe two two months this season. I want to say a month and a half. Um, he 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 was out for some thumb surgery or something and when he did return he actually aggravated uh, agitated it again and was out for i think another two games maybe he missed so we were unfortunately forced to play Reimer a lot um Reimer was splitting the games with uh Nedeljkovic basically um and so, yeah, both those guys had more games than probably you would have expected either of them to have this season. And it, it, it was because they basically became 1A, 1B when Reimer or when Mrazek was no longer able to, to play for us after that, or after aggravating that thumb. 
it was on a collision. Yeah. I mean, he's always involved in those. That's how he got hurt. Uh, what was it last year or the year before that? Harris had to play. Um, he was out past the hash marks. I think he was almost past the circle. Uh, yeah, I think the top of the face Yeah, it was at the face-off zone. It was right there. Yeah. So he's a guy that likes to get physical. He likes to take a shot. He likes to, um, you know, stick himself out there. And sometimes he pays the price for it. So, yeah, Reimer did have to play a lot this season. And uh, he he was, you know, as, as unsung as the Hurricanes were in general, I think he was the most unsung out of everyone on the team. Um, he He was solid, man. He was a guy... When I was watching as a fan this season, it's it's nerving. It's unnerving to to go through those health scares, those health issues. We've been struggling with it all season. Um, and when you're struggling with it in your goaltending department, that's when it's most unnerving. Uh, so it, it it was nice. It was really nice to get those wins, that solid, just that real, you know, calm, cool, and collected feeling in the net. Reimer gives that off really well. And, uh, you know, he had that collapse in Toronto, uh, but back in 2013, you know, seven, it's been seven years uh, since this guy's had a real shot at a, at a championship. So it'd be really nice if the team could give him, uh, you know, a shot at one this year, a chance at one, because he's really given us a chance at one for as much as we've done this season. And in, in heading into the playoffs, I, I don't know how Carolina's going to handle their their goaltending. I don't know if Elkovich is going to be the starter and Reimer's the backup. If Razik's the starter with Delkovich being the backup, it, it they got a uh, they got themselves options. a good situation. Yeah, they got options and certainly. Uh, I think it's something that they uh, maybe could have benefited from in 2019. Not that McElhinney was bad for them. He, he was pretty stellar for them and, and did the best he could. Right. Um, only having him and, and Mrazek, I think, hurt you guys against Boston. So it'll be interesting to see now with Nedeljkovic and Reimer stepping it up, how uh, how Carolina will do. But, you know, shifting to Nashville, because what was funny going through these, I think, you know, looking at goaltending, I would argue that this series, this Carolina versus Nashville series, is probably just going to come down to goaltending. You know, I know that I said that about Florida, but that was just because Bobrovsky and, and Vasilevsky had kind of, you know, come back down to earth and Bob hasn't had that bounce back season. Um, but this one specifically to me, it's a goaltender series. You know, if you're a goaltender fan, you ought to be watching every single game of, of, of this series um, because moving on to, to Nashville, their goaltending with uh, Rene is uh, 10, 12 and one with a 907. And uh, UC Saros, 21-11-1 with a 9.27 save percentage. The guy has played unbelievably for the Predators. And and uh, I think you saw that in um, the last two games against Carolina. Saros just stood on his head and really gave Carolina a run for their money. Granted, Carolina wasn't, you know, fully rostered at that point. But, you know, UC Staros throughout this whole season has been consistent for the, the Predators and I think has been the saving grace for this team. So with that being said, I think this is just going to be a hell of a series if you're a goaltender fan. I I would agree in that it's going to come down to that for Nashville. 
I don't think Carolina is, is really in that position. You take a look at our score sheets, look at our team stats, and we're a team that's built to score. We have Aho, we have Sveshnikov, we have Jordan Stahl and uh, Nino Niederreiter who are having, who have had, uh, you know, really nice turnaround seasons for themselves. Um, especially Stahl, he's a little bit later in his career, but Nino's up there as well. And both of those guys are have, are up on the score sheets for goals and assists. You have Dougie Hamilton, who I mentioned earlier on the on this call, on the podcast. Um, Jacob Slavin, who's jumping in more and more, and Brady Shea, who's never afraid to fire the puck. So I think this one will come down to goaltending for Nashville. Um, I don't necessarily think it's the be all end all for Carolina. Uh, they certainly could could hold their own on the offensive line, um, but you know if Soros is standing on his head and if Soros is continuing to play like he has been uh, to get Nashville to the point that they are at right now, uh, I'm gonna be worried. I, I sort of am worried. I, I want to see how this series starts to play out, and uh, I really want to win a couple really fast because I want to get comfortable. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I don't, I don't want to give Nashville. You don't want to give anybody uh, the the. You don't want to. You don't want to leave the door cracked open for anyone, but certainly don't want to leave it open for Nashville right now. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I think if, since Carolina will have the first two games at home, I think it's. I don't know how to word it. I, I wanted to say they're must win for Carolina, but they're not. But, you know, Carolina, I think you'd want to see it uh, two wins at home. You know, you want to see that those games go to both Carolina because, you know, when a team on the road can win in the playoffs, man, it makes it makes it difficult um, because then Carolina would have to win on the road in Nashville. And again, everyone knows that, you know, home ice advantage is very important in the playoffs. Uh, so. Securing those first two wins, I think, for Carolina would definitely be a, um, a good sight to see if you're Carolina. Overall, I think Carolina would win in six. But I know I'm, I mentioned to you um, either on Tuesday or Monday that this series to me is going to be exactly like the 2018 Colorado Avalanche versus the Nashville Predators, where everyone knew Nashville was going to win. Um, some may have even predicted them to sweep. The Avalanche, some even predicted them to win, you know, in five or six games. They, they considered it to be a dominating series for um, Nashville. But Colorado gave them a run for their money in that series. I remember at certain times it was like, man, the Avalanche, if they could really figure things out and, and be more consistent, they could, they could beat Nashville. And, um, you know, if, if Nashville can find that chemistry and they can find it early against you guys, it, it'll be – you know, difficult for you guys, I think, to to match that. Um, because Nashville, to me, I think is that not fringe playoff team, but it's a team that kind of squeaked in due to, uh, you know, the other teams kind of fading out. Um, but it's not to say that this team isn't playoff ready. Uh, Soros, like I said, if he, if he stays hot, th that guy could be the difference maker and the X factor for him. And uh, if du Duchesne and, and Johansson can start, you know, producing more, because uh, I think that they've been disappointments at least this season in Nashville. If, if those guys can start, you know, going at it, um, this series could be proven to be a pretty good one. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I, I completely agree with that. Duchesne actually did score against us, I think, in this in the last game of the season. So stands to reason that he might already be going. Who knows? And that's another worry of mine. Um, but going back to the beginning of that point, uh, if you're Carolina, you definitely want to win those last those first two games at home, man. You want to assert that dominance that you've earned this season. Yeah, you, you won the division and you won it handily too. Uh, and you won it in the division that has the two teams that were playing in the in the Stanley Cup Finals last year together, uh, and that's you know that's a huge credit to Rod Brendamore and company. Um, and so you definitely want to assert that dominance and win those first two games. Check those first two games off, because I have been a, I have been a hockey spectator in Nashville, and with COVID, you know, being tied up. Uh, in 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 the new the vaccine and everything, um, and fans returning to the game, especially in Nash, the city of Nashville, likely, uh, it is not going to be a fun arena to try and bounce back in. It is it is a very uh, I want to be careful about this because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings in Nashville, but. It is not a fun place. It is not a fun house to play in if you're uh, and the away team. It, it can feel like a really ugly crowd sometimes. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but um, when you're a team and you want to win and you have to win, you have to take one of those games back, uh, just one of them is not going to be fun. And so I definitely don't want to do – I definitely don't want to lose those first two games. Um, and you also, like you say, you don't want to let Duchesne get going. You don't want to let those guys, uh, you don't want to let Aaron Eckblad run around with unchecked either. Or um, is it Eckblad or Eckholm? Eckholm, yeah, I was going to say. Eckholm. Eckholm. You don't want to let him run around unchecked. Uh, so hopefully the guys come, hopefully they come physical, hopefully they come out strong. Uh, but I think that's going to be a series that's going to be pretty underrated. So if you're watching, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a true hockey fan and you want to see a good series, I would definitely watch that one. I think that one's going to be a little bit of an under-the-radar series. I think exactly yeah. what you said, Nick. I think yeah. that everyone is going to say, oh, yeah, Carolina's going to win that one. Um, you know, won't even turn the television on for it. Uh, but I think you're going to miss out on a really good series if you don't. So that would be my uh, last bit on the Carolina series. I don't want to harp on them for too long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can certainly get talking about those two teams. Um, I know I said I'm a Buffalo fan earlier, but uh, this season I, I decided to buy NHL.TV because we no longer have cable. And um, I was able to watch a lot of different teams. And the team I always seem to sit down and watch and enjoy watching was Carolina. I, I've seen that team play for the last two seasons i've been watching them pretty closely and and man they're a hard team to play against and and like you said, right to rod brendamore that guy has really turned around that that team and and really quick i think that they needed a coach i think they had a team they didn't have the coach with bill peters they always had the players man exactly they they had the players they needed it was just i don't think the coach could really you know bring them all together and, and you know have them firing and all Foster, yeah but Rod Brendamore has just come in. He's taken this team under his wing. And, you know, he's had history in the NHL. Um, you know, it tends that former players do 
end up coaching, but specifically him, he was a former Carolina Hurricane. So it's it's good to see a familiar face behind the bench. And uh, I just think that he should get more praise than I think he does in the uh, in the wide range of the NHL. But uh, I, I, that, that'll be the last thing I say about this uh, series. And then to wrap it up, uh, like I said, we don't have the um, West series. That just depends on who wins um, tonight, whether uh, Vegas wins or whether uh, the Avalanche win. Whoever wins that division will then play St. Louis. And then whoever ends up with second will play Minnesota. So because we don't know it, I couldn't really preview any of the series. So that's it for the playoff series. Um, and that, that's also going to wrap up the, the podcast for today's episode. Um, you know, we I, I think the name, we got to say the name. What's that? We got to say the name. We never said the name. of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the podcast name. It's so we'll take Sally. And, yeah. Uh, First the, episode. <laughs> first episode. Yep. We forgot to mention it previously, but, uh, but no, it, it, it's been good. Um, I, I think that, you know, looking forward, the, the playoffs are going to be fun to watch this season. And, you know, there's definitely going to be a lot of matchups that uh, I think people will enjoy watching and we'll see how it goes. Um, but with that being said, I think we're pretty much wrapped up here. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add. Yeah, no, this is going to be, I think, one of the more fun uh, playoff seasons to watch this is going to be a really interesting one there's a lot of series there's a lot of different series that could go either way uh, and there's a lot of teams that i think will put up a good fight um but that's yeah that's all i gotta say thanks for listening if you are and hopefully we'll see we'll you'll you'll be in next time you'll be tuning in yeah. next time. yeah thanks for uh thanks for listening to us and um if anyone wants to know, the playoffs actually start tomorrow. Montreal and Toronto have uh, – actually, no, I, I don't think it does start tomorrow. I could have had that wrong. I think the first game is actually on Saturday, game one of Caps versus Bruins. Um, if anyone was wondering, um, you can watch that game to start it off. And then that, I, we appreciate you listening to us, and we hope that you listen to us in the future. Um, and, and thanks for taking uh, giving us your time.